This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Big, big Thursday night's edition of Sports Talk for you here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome in, everybody. Good to have you with us. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here at our studios in downtown Columbia. Chris Bergen joining us as well. He's on the road with the Coastal Carolina basketball team. They're at JMU tonight. James Madison, which is having a very fine year in basketball, as they did in football. And he'll be joining us in just a second. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. I hope you had a, a great day on this beautiful day in the Palmetto State. If you're heading home from work and you haven't had a chance to catch up on the sports scene, that is why we are here. For those of you who don't get a chance to sit by your radio or by your computer all day and and play in the sports world. You've got two hours to play in the sports world now. If you're heading home, we suggest you keep your eye on the road and your ear on us. If you are home, then feel free to listen to us on the radio, listen to us on our stream, watch us on YouTube, whatever fits your fancy. Great show for you tonight at 635. Spartanburg High School football coach Mark Hodge is going to join us. He, of course, is well-known for coaching high school football in our state, but he's also known for being the high school coach of Debo Samuel, former Gamecock star, current star with the San Francisco 49ers. Coach Hodge was in Santa Clara on a Sunday evening to watch the 49ers beat the Lions to move to the Super Bowl. Going to share his experience with us from what he saw out in San Fran and talk more about Debo and what has made Debo one of the great players in the NFL today. We will go from that end of the NFL spectrum, the very top, to the very bottom. As today, the Panthers introduced, formerly, their new GM, Dan Morgan, their new head coach, Dave Canales. We'll hear from Dave Canales tonight, let you hear what he sounds like as he talks about taking over the job with the Panthers. Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move at 7.05. We'll get his thoughts on a lot of different things, including the new SEC baseball tournament format. So the SEC, when it expands to 16 teams in baseball come next spring, their baseball format will include, this is for the tournament, they'll still play 30 regular season games, no divisions, so you'll be 1 through 16 in the standings. And then everybody will go to the tournament in Hoover. The top four teams will get double buys. And the lower-seeded teams will play single elimination games the first couple of days. And then single elimination will continue all the way through. So they are eliminating double elimination. So it will be a single elimination affair all the way through to a championship game on Sunday. Get uh, Mike's thoughts on that. And, of course, some recruiting coming your way as well. USC women's basketball in action tonight. The top-ranked undefeated USC women 
playing tonight at Auburn. But let's welcome in Chris Bergen, who was courtside at James Madison University. And I got to tell you what, they, whatever they're doing athletically, is working out very well for them. Their football team was outstanding. Their basketball team was outstanding, and they've had good baseball over the years. So have you picked up anything on James Madison while you've been there? Well, as is the case in everything in college athletics, Phil, follow the money. And James Madison's got a bunch of it and not afraid to spend it. We're sitting here inside the Atlantic Union Bank Center getting ready for the matchup tonight. Brand new facility. They built this about uh, four seasons ago. It opened back in 2020. Not the best of times, obviously, to open up a, a brand-new athletic complex, but this place seats about 8,500. They probably won't have that many in here tonight. They've uh, they've got a whiteout plan for Coastal as the uh, Shauna Clears come into town, but you're right. James Madison on both the men's and women's basketball sides of the coin playing very, very well. We know the, uh, the ire that they drew from the NCAA about complaining that they couldn't get into a bowl game until the NCAA needed them in the bowl game and allowed them to go mm. during football season. But yeah, you've got to just marvel at what James Madison has done in a short period of time. And Phil, you look at what they've done facilities-wise up here, and it's in a beautiful area in Virginia right in the middle of the uh, Shenandoah Valley. But what they've done with facilities-wise, it almost looks like the Sun Belts. And this is a program, football-wise, that was FCS just a couple of years ago. But it almost feels like, to me, the Sun Belt is a stepping stone for them, a holding place until a bigger conference comes looking for them. And I think James Madison probably, let's say, if the ACC does start losing teams elsewhere, I would think the Atlantic Coast Conference would take a long look at a program like James Madison to bring them in. Yeah, it makes sense to me. makes plenty yeah. of sense. That, that program has come, you know, they're sort of like Liberty. Liberty's another program yep. that has come a long, long way. I remember watching Liberty baseball in the Big South. They almost derailed Coastal Carolina's run to a national championship in the Big South tournament that year at Lexington. Uh, Jim Toman was the coach at Liberty at the time. But, I mean, you're talking about a program now at Liberty, for example, and, and I was talking to then Athletics Director Jeff Barber, and he pointed out to me, and it's still, I'm sure, the same today and maybe even greater, that with their, with their uh, online university, I mean, you're talking about thousands of additional students paying thousands of dollars in tuition money. In other words, they had a major flow of money coming into that school, and a good portion of that went over to athletics. So they weren't hurting for any dollars. And this is going back, what, maybe 10 years or so ago, about 10 years. So even back then, a school like that was flowing in dollars. And you can see with what they've done with their athletic program at Liberty, the hiring of Jamie Chadwell, the kind of season they had this year. Of course, I think they were brought down to earth by Oregon. When they realize, you know, that's a big step up for them from the competition they play week in and week out. But like James Madison and Liberty, I mean, those are two up-and-coming athletic programs. And you do wonder where they're going to be housed in the years to come as we see the reformation of college athletics ahead of us. You know it's going to be a lot of change. There's still going to be more movement of schools. And there's going to be a complete remake of the structure of college athletics at the highest level. Well, you may even look at a uh, conference like the Sun Belt, which, to its credit, has done a nice job sort of positioning itself for the undertaking that you're talking about, the Armageddon of current the current setup at the Division One level. And maybe the Sun Belt just kind of rises up and becomes, pardon the pun because that's one of their slogans, but mm. rises in and sort of fills in 
right below wherever the Power 5, Power 4, wherever they land. And then right after that, maybe the Sun Belt is the next best conference. And maybe James Madison is happy enough in Coastal and uh, Troy and all the teams that are in here now. Maybe they feel like that's the next best step for them once everything settles with the South Carolinas and the Texases and the Clemsons of the world. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. We can take some phone calls here early tonight on the program. What about the matchup tonight that you've got? Coastal Carolina's coming off a nice win at home. I, I think, am I correct in just saying about Coastal, the, the one thing this team is lacking is consistency. There oh, are no some doubt. games when they can go out and really, within their league, play with some good teams and be right there. Then there are other games where it appears they just don't show up. Well, here's the stats that will back that up for you, Phil. They have not won back-to-back ball games since January of last year. So they have been searching for consistency and probably played one of the best 20 minutes that they have played all season long this past Saturday. They actually trailed Georgia State by 10 at halftime, grew to 13 in the second half before they came back and won that ball game in overtime. And now you face a team like James Madison, and you better be consistent on both ends of the floor because they are the top-scoring team in the Sun Belt, averaging 85 they're about points of all game. Plus, they are the second best defensive team in the Sun Belt, allowing around 65 or so of all game. Their scoring margin is is outstanding. They make it really difficult on you defensively because they are second in the conference in steals. And this is a program in a short period of time they've been in the Sun Belt. They have made life miserable for everybody else. They were the preseason favorites to win it, and that was before they went to Michigan State and upset the Spartans at home to open the season. Mm. They did what South Carolina did. A couple of nights ago, they went in and won a top-five road matchup as an unranked team. I think the Gamecocks and the uh, Dukes are the only two, if I'm not mistaken, that have done that this season. And so that gave you an idea and started a 13, I believe it was 13 or 14-game winning streak to open the season. They've struggled a little bit, per se, in conference, but they are a very, very good team. And Coastal will have to play by far its best game of the year tonight to uh, have a chance late in this one. All right, let me pass on a couple of other things, and we'll get to your phone calls. And the phone number is 888-898-2525. Go ahead and grab a line. Uh, Clemson is ranked 12th, Gamecocks, uh, Gamecocks 15th, Coastal Carolina 19th in the NCBWA, that's the Baseball Writers Association, preseason top 30. I was over at USC today because they had a media availability for players, and those guys are those guys are very confident. Uh, they're very excited about the upcoming season. Uh, they know they're going to hit. They know they're going to score runs. Uh, how will the pitching be? Well, they know they've got arms back from last year, some very identifiable arms, but they're going to need some new guys to step up and produce for them. So if they get if they get better than average pitching, if they get very good pitching, then look out because with Messina and Petri and Cassis and others returning to that lineup, they're going to hit. They're going to score runs. So they're anxious to get started. Their their goal, of course, is to host a Super Regional. Uh, they did the uh, Super Regional thing on the road last year. They came up short at Florida, a team they beat in the regular season. They swept. But then they go to Gainesville, and they ran into two of the best arms in college baseball. And so they realize hosting a Super Regional is a key for being able to take that next step. Meantime, the baseball world is mourning the passing of Mike Martin, longtime Hall of Fame baseball coach at Florida State. And he was not only a great baseball coach, but he was quite the character. He was fun to watch. I mean, he and Bill Wilhelm, guys like that, 
incredible for the game of college baseball back in the day. And Mike Martin won a lot of baseball games, won a lot of ACC championships, but he never won the College World Series. Hard to believe with all the great players and all the uh, the super teams that he had that he could not win it all there at Florida State. But uh, he was he's been gone as far as coaching for a number of years, so he's already been missed on the field. But now he'll be missed by that Florida State family, Chris. Phil, you know you're a major legend in the world of sports, and certainly in baseball in particular, when they refer to you not by your name but by your number. Every tribute we have seen is rest in peace, 11. You know, we're going to miss you, 11. It's not coach, we're going to miss you type deal. And, and that's the kind of impact Mike Martin, Mike Martin had. And I think from a baseball perspective, there's no more outstanding or, excuse me, astonishing stat than the fact that with all those teams he had at Florida State and just tremendous teams, what, he went to 17, I think, College World Series and never won one? Yeah. I mean, that's almost hard to do. I mean, it really is. It's almost remarkable that he had that kind of consistent success but was never able to find a way to get over the hump and win one. We were talking at the uh, pregame meal earlier today about basketball teams who failed to uh, win a national championship, and it just stunned you. I, I still go back to the 83 NCAA championship won by NC State, and they weren't anywhere close to the best team at the Final Four. It was the University of Houston that was, but they never were able to get over the hump. It's just it's fascinating. Go back. You can find examples of that all across the board, but I think Florida State baseball is the one that's always going to leave us scratching our heads that they have not been able to win a national championship, especially under Mike Martin. as such a phenomenal coach and had such a great impact on the game. Yes, no question about it. Here's a little bit more about that SEC baseball tournament format beginning in May of 2025. So now this year, they'll go with the same format they've had in the past. So the top 12 teams in the final 14-team regular season standings will advance to the single double elimination tournament over six days. Beginning in May of 2025, it'll still be a six-day tournament with four games each on Tuesday and Wednesday, two games each on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a championship game on Sunday. Seeds 9 through 16, determined by the final regular season standings, they will play on Tuesday, and then seeds 5 through 8 receive a bye to Wednesday, and seeds 1 through 4 receive a bye on Thursday or Friday. So they get the double bye. The bottom line here is you want to be in the top four because if you're in the top four, you can win the championship by winning three games. If you're nine through 16, you got to win six games to win the championship. So you want to be as good as you can be in the regular season to survive that format. But it is single elimination. And to be honest with you, I kind of like that, I think, uh, at, at first glance here, Chris. I kind of like the single elimination. Um, it puts the pressure on the teams all in for every game. You wonder how the coaches will approach this now from a pitching standpoint. You know, for the teams moving on to the NCAA regional, and 10 or 11 of them, or now, well, maybe more now, 14 or 15 of them, or 13 or 14, will we'll probably be moving on to the to the regional. You wonder how the the coaches will handle their pitching uh, going through this particular format. I'm more surprised that the coaches agreed to this format at all, Phil. You know how traditional rich they are, and they just can't stand anything that changes away from the norm. 
don't play seven innings. That's not real baseball. We have to play nine. We can't play two seven-inning games for a doubleheader. we got to play two nines. I don't care if you're there 15 hours for the day. you got to do that. That's baseball. And I'm just stunned that they agreed to go away from the double elimination format, which is the same that you have in the NCAA tournament, to go to the single elimination. It was the only way, though, if the SEC was going to invite every single team in the new look conference, that's the only way you could do this. I mean, you clearly couldn't play double elimination with 16 teams. You'd be there for a month. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's just there was no way to do it otherwise. But I'm, I'm more stunned that they would agree to this and not trim back the field. And maybe this was their opportunity to go back and just hit and fight eight teams. Top eight go, you play double elimination, and you win out. But now which is the more strange, ridiculous, interesting, however you want to phrase it, format? The ACC's pool play idea, which I think is starting to catch hold with a lot of people, or now the SEC going single elimination with 16 teams. Yeah. The more I, you know, the, the, the ACC pool play format has grown on me over the years. When they first introduced, just, I, I introduced it, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Agreed. Agreed. But those who like it, and I think more have come to grips with it, it allows a team to set up their pitching. You know exactly how many games you're going to play. You know exactly who you're going to play. And, uh, you know, it, the, the silly part of it is, is like you lose a game on like a, a Tuesday and you're eliminated from championship play, but you got to come back and play on a Thursday or Friday, depending on what the schedule looks like. Now, that does help you. If you were a bubble team for the NCAA tournament, it does help you pick up some extra wins uh, to impress the committee. And that's one thing here about this format. I'm sure the coaches are like, let's let everybody play. Somebody might need a win or two to get into the NCAA tournament, and they can pick that up here at the SEC tournament. I'm sure that's what they're thinking. By leaving people at home, that would put a, a negative connotation on them from the committee standpoint, and they might get overlooked. And the SEC is all about packing the NCAA tournament with their teams. You know that. No, without a doubt. And, I mean, it, you're going to be somebody like a, a Texas, an Oklahoma, a South Carolina, a Florida, an LSU perhaps. I mean, somebody of that magnitude, that kind of program, is going to be left at home if you only do the top eight. I mean, it's just it, – it, Matt's not going to work out where all the all those uh, tradition-rich programs are going to be able to finish in the top eight. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. You don't want to put some teams inadvertently on the bubble unless you absolutely have to. So I can see the, the reasoning behind that. I'm just really surprised, again, as, as much as these coaches love to stick to routine, mm-hmm. that they would go away from double elimination. And, guys, while we're on the topic of baseball, slightly different but similar topic The NCAA today announced sanctions against former Alabama baseball coach uh, Brad Bohannon, and they are significant. 15-year show calls was what was handed down to him for violating the association's wagering and ethical conduct rules by knowingly providing insider information to an individual he knew to be engaged in betting on an Alabama baseball game. Remember that Bohannon was fired by Alabama back in the spring. The NCAA then said that Bohannon worsened his problems by failing to participate in the NCAA investigation. As part of this show calls order, any employing school that does decide to hire him, uh, they have to restrict Bohannon from any athletically related position. If Bohannon becomes employed during the show calls period, he will be suspended for 100% of the baseball regular season for the first five seasons of his employment. He also received three years probation and a $5,000 fine. And then in a footnote, uh, as part of the NCAA's Committee on Infractions, they noted, quote, 
observed that his conduct was abhorrent and egregious, and they considered a lifetime ban. Moving forward, the Committee on Infractions will consider lifetime bans for similar conduct. Also part of this story, his uh, stooge, the guy that was placing the bets for him, (laughs) must be a moron because they've got recordings of him or they've got a paper trail, they've got text messages of this guy trying to place huge bets with a sports book, and they declined his bets because they thought something was fishy. And he told them, I guess in messages, I've got inside information. (laughs) And he identified where his inside information came from. He said, the coach has told me the starting pitcher is out. I want to put this money, da-da-da-da. Yeah, he flat out told them. And then, you know, the sports book's like, whoa, they turned him in. Which a lot of people say when it comes to gambling and people say it's a dangerous thing. But people point out these sports books, they police themselves. Right. They're the ones that actually get things started from an investigation standpoint. They smell something fishy. They call the FBI and get people uh, on it in a hurry. So that's a good thing. They're the ones that blew the whistle on this whole deal. But what a dummy. Well, Phil, they have to because if, if there's any inkling that the game is not on the up and up, the gamblers go away. They won't bet on it. If it's, if the fix is already in and people know they're not going to bet, and, and Las Vegas and sports gambling across the country cannot afford to have that happen. There's way, way too much money uh, being involved right now and being dumped into sports gambling. But, I mean, when you have the, uh, the head coach texting this guy and telling him, hey, so-and-so is not going to pitch against LSU, Get that bed in and let me know when you've done it so I can let LSU know he's not pitching. I mean, it's just crazy yeah. stuff. I hope, I hope he's not too old to learn another trade because he's never going to coach baseball again at college. In a, a quick correction to what I said, I mis- mistakenly said Bohannon was given three years probation and a $5,000 fine. That's actually the Alabama baseball program. So Alabama received three years probation and a $5,000 fine stemming from this. And Chris, to your point, you got to think if there's one sport, whether collegiately or uh, professionally, that players, coaches, and so forth would know not to bet against, it would be baseball. We we all know about Pete Rose and the ongoing saga about whether he should be or should not be allowed into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And of course, we're all familiar, especially here in South Carolina, because of the birthplace of Shoeless Joe Jackson of the 1919 Chicago Black Sox scandal. So you would think if there's one sport where this would not be happening, at least in my opinion, it would be baseball. All right. If you've got the inside info, are you going to get rid money, of right? it? Money's money, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's hit the phones real quick before the bottom of the hour, and we'll lose Chris to basketball at that point. And it's Bobby in Casey. Hey, Bobby, great to have you with us. How are you? Hello, Phil, Chris, and Pat. Congratulations to your Packers today, Phil, and help me out. I don't have the internet. Was it Jeff Hatley, Boston College, or was it Heatley, the head coach that left to the Packers? Yes, it's uh, it's Halfley, isn't it? Who was the head coach okay, well, at Boston that's College? That's who's in Phil Steele's magazine. That's who's in Phil Steele's magazine. But I don't know if they canned them and hired Eatley. Hmm. So no, no, they Halfley. for the DC they hired Jeff Halfley from Boston College. Okay, and here's the thing: the Boer just fought his offensive coordinator, Kyle Grubbs. I think his name was right. He's actually wanting to leave Alabama now and go back to the Seattle Seahawks as their offensive coordinator. Really. Yep, yep. I've sent it to you. Uh, whoever's running the show on your, your Twitter site can read about it. Okay, we'll check and that out. And here's a hip, hip, hooray. Chris Shula might be leading the Rams to replace Vic Fangio. That's Don Shula's grandson, 
to his son, older son, David, who runs the steakhouse chain mm-hmm. to become Miami's new defensive coordinator, Chris Schuler. Chris Schuler. He's the outside Ed Roger pass rush coordinator with the L.A. Rams. And Chris he might be heading. Shula he might be heading where? Back to, to the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Because Fangio, Fangio had a divorce. Fangio is now yeah. the defensive coordinator with the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. They had a mutual divorce, so he's gone. Chris Shula, where Don coached all those years, mm. his grandson might be coming to be the defensive coordinator. Hooray! We get another Shula back at the coach. Coaching with the Dolphins. Well, thank you. I thought you said he was going to go right. work at the steakhouse, but uh, that's no, good. No, no, no. His father, Dave, <laughs> runs the chain. No, no, I'm sorry. His father, David, runs the chain. Mike Shula, who quarterbacked at Alabama and got fired as the head coach, he's a senior offensive whatever with the Bills. All right, sir. Thank you for all that. And, Chris, we bid you adieu. Have a good call tonight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you from Huntington, West Virginia tomorrow. Nice travels. Okay, thank you. Back after this break on Sports Talk. Well, today's weather makes me think of one thing and one thing only. Putting on the old Speedo and running along the beach. Very nice. No, I'm sure that's an image that a lot of people don't want to think about. Uh, but you can think about certain people running along the beach of South Carolina, and it's very uh, appealing and very, uh, very attractive. My point in all this is you need to go ahead and make your beach plans now for the spring, the summer, get away from wherever you happen to live and get down to the beach. Jimmy Smith is the man to call, 843-237-4246, pauliesvacationrentals.com, James Smith Real Estate. Tell them what you're looking for and let them do the rest of the work. 843-237-4246, your perfect beach getaway. Don't delay. Spring and summer's coming at you fast, like another football season right around the corner. 843-237-4246, pauliesvacationrentals.com, James Smith Real Estate. All right, Super Bowl's coming up, week from Sunday. And we've got, of course, local flavor in the game, including the former Gamecock great Debo Samuel, who is now one of the greats of the current game, National Football League. His coach back in the day at Chapman High School, Coach Mark Hodge, now calls Spartanburg High School home. But I know he fondly remembers those days at Chapman and those great days of coaching the touchdown machine, Debo Samuel. Coach Hodge was in San Francisco slash Santa Clara for the NFC Championship game over the weekend. He joins us now here on Sports Talk. And good evening, Coach. How are you? I'm, I'm well. How are you tonight? We're doing great. Thank you for being with Have you got your legs back under you from the cross-country trip? I have, you know, missing a day of work on Monday. I can't, you know, I don't know what day it is right now. <laughs> I got tickled. I didn't, I didn't expect the uh, speedo lead in. Oh, I'm that, sorry that about that. Good. I should have warned you. <laughs> That's a Phil Cornlude special right there, Coach. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, when I'm down at the coach's clinic with you guys in a couple of weeks, I'll give you a, uh, an advanced display. How about that? <laughs> I will not put that on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. 
But you had, I saw the video that you posted. Were you on the sideline during the game? Not during the game, pregame. I was able to, to go out pregame, and then I was actually uh, able to go out postgame. So I was, uh, you know, right there with him postgame through some of the celebration. And then he even uh, brought us into the locker room. So I got to experience that as well, too. So it was some uh, really great moments for me to just kind of sit back and enjoy watching him, uh, um, you know, be rewarded for his efforts and his work. Tell us about your relationship with Debo Samuel going back to when he was just a youngster. Uh, I guess growing up in Inman or around there to end up at Chapman High School. How long uh, have you known him and uh, what exact role did you play in his development coming up through high school? Yes, yeah, so he originally grew up in inner city Spartanburg and you know, there was some rough moments in his life and, uh, and his dad got stable and, and um, remarried and moved up to Inman and uh, Debo moved to Chapman I think the year before I got there I actually got there the spring of his sophomore year so um, you know really started getting to know him um, the summer going into his junior year and you know there's a one of our funny stories is he was late to the first seven on seven I had and I chewed him out pretty good and you know, told him he wasn't the best player I ever, ever coached and he needed to – he was going to act like everybody else. And he handled it really well because, you know, at the time, D.J. Moore was the best player I'd coached. And, and so that's kind of how we started our first competition together. Um, you know, and I knew he was a really good player then. Like, he was, he was really, you know, a great high school football player. But between his junior and senior year, he grew uh, about two inches and added about 20 pounds and his 40 time really – really dropped and um you know mentioning dj the, the summer of his senior year we were actually at a spartanburg seven on seven and that's when feaster and all those guys were at spartanburg and dj was home um you know from training for the nfl that's when he was with the chicago bears and dj came over to me and he said you know coach he's better than than some of the kids i actually guard right now today in the league hmm. and uh and so we knew during those seven on sevens that he was legit and elite and you know, he, the the rest of the season, he just dominated. You know, one game he scored five touchdowns five different ways. And, you know, and the thing is, he was, he was so unselfish, too. Like, he just wanted to win. And he'd come off and say, if I do this or I do that, so-and-so's open or so-and-so can have success. But when it came crunch time, he was like, give it to me. You know, and it didn't matter if it was offense or defense. And um, just an elite competitor. And so that's really how our – relationship started but you know we were there for him you know my family and my kids and we held him to high standards and and tried to provide you know pick him up and times he didn't have internet we would you know let him you know use mine in my office or um and another kind of diva only story was my the time only had the two sons we hadn't adopted our daughter yet but in my top left desk drawer is where i kept my candy and stuff for those two when they happened to be over there and um, Debo became one of them, and so there were three children that went in the desk drawer, and it was Caleb, Josh, and Debo. So <laughs> and he just he just became a family member over the over the, the years. I can understand why, and you know, I remember either his junior or senior year at Chapman, he scored like twenty touchdowns. He was a touchdown machine. Yet, I don't recall him being all that heavily recruited. And South Carolina ended up signing him. What was what do you recall? I know you and I talked back in those days when he was being recruited. What do you recall about his recruitment out of high school? And for those who did not pursue him, 
What did they say were the reasons why they didn't offer him and go after him? Uh, first, the recruiting, how it happened was, was when I was at Carolina High School in Greenville, I took that job, and it was you know known as probably the worst football program in the state at the time. And But there were three coaches that actually did due diligence and actually recruited the school. And uh, Sean Elliott happened to be one of those when he was at App. And so we developed a relationship there. And so, you know, and and what's wild is I actually had two kids. And and so get to Chapman, you know, Sean was actually recruiting us. And and we had, you know, prior relationship. And I just kept on him like, this kid's got it. Like, you know, I'm telling you, he's got it. And Sean kept on. And finally he got Spurrier Jr. to come watch our third-round game against uh, um, BHP. And, uh, and Debo just dominated the football game and made two just basically NFL-type catches for touchdowns right in front of him. And they came back and offered him the, the following week. And so I still, you know, tell my kids now, like, be patient. Like, you're going to be where you're supposed to be if you're doing the things you're supposed to do. And, you know, so Debo was, you know, he was only offered basically Thanksgiving of his senior year. Mm-hmm. And... um. He, he came out late, like, you know, Chapman had, had had a really good season a few years earlier, but then it kind of went on a downward slide, and I think there was a reputation that they didn't have a bunch of good players. And um, and in other places, like, you know, uh, Jeff Scott was real honest at Clemson. Like, he really liked him, but by the time he, he uh, you know, got him on his radar, they had already offered and pretty much, you know, filled their spots. And, you know, they did offer a preferred walk-on, but, you know, Carolina <laughs> came through the full scholarship. And, um, you know, so it, it, you know, in the end, it worked out real well for him. But I sometimes like to remind recruiters when they come in that, you know, you're the guy that didn't offer Debo, so mm. I don't know exactly how much you do know about football. But, <laughs> uh, recruiting's so difficult now. I mean, yeah. just off-subject. It's just, it is. I mean, with stars and everything else, it's like, it's almost like a lot of recruiters feel like they got to have a scapegoat in. Well, we offered him because somebody started him or somebody else started him. And, you know, it's 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 gotten difficult. But, you know, at the end for him, it worked out. Yeah. Visiting with Coach Mark Hodge a few more minutes. You know, I don't know anything about football, you know, like you guys do. Really, I don't. I know that shocks you, but I really don't. But I can watch a football game, and I can tell a good football player from a not-so-good football player or an average player. And having watched uh, Debo at South Carolina and then coming up on the on the draft that year, I remember saying on the show, listen, if you want a receiver and you've got a first-round pick and you need a receiver, you better take Debo Samuel. And, of course, he lasted until, I think, the second round, right? And so, Yeah, I think third pick, second round, I think it was. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, you people, you're you're stupid. You're not nearly as smart as what your pay grade says you are, because this guy can play. And so, and of course, we've seen it. What is it? The, the most amazing thing to me about Debo, of course, is his physical build helps him, but just his uncanny ability to break tackles. You just can't bring him down with your shoulder, right, or, or with your arms. It, it takes multiple players generally to to get him down if he's got a full head of steam going. Yeah, he's got a. There's a lot of things about him that makes him unique. And you know, I tell him, you know, I just texted him last week, and I say, you know, God made you different. Like that, he made you different than everybody else. And it starts with his intelligence. He's a highly intelligent kid and uh, or young man now. And and then he's hyper competitive. You know, and the the best players I've ever coached 
they have to compete. Like you can try to take them off offense and give them a break, and you look up and they're on defense. Like they just they have to compete if there's a competition going on. And then his body, you know, his he's so violently strong in every direction. It doesn't mean you know whether it's a change of direction, vertical jump, or just transition to speed. And then you throw his stature on top of that, and and he's he's just you know there's only one like him, and you know other people try to copy it, and, and you can't because he's just really the only body type like that with all those other intangibles. He is something to watch, and he has a knack for getting to the end zone. Now, here's the big question: Did he invite you to come out to the Super Bowl? We hadn't got that far yet, <laughs> um, so I don't know. Uh, like, it's, that's tough for them, too. They get two free tickets, and then they have to pay for the rest of them. And, yeah. You know, I always try to not push him and stay in the back background, you know, from his family and his friends that he's he's always been with. And you know, his, his family's expanding now that, you know, with his, his kids and his, or his child and his wife. And, you know, so you got that. So, I, you know, I would like to go, but I don't pressure him to go. And so we'll kind of see what happens there. But either way, I'll be – be pulling for him and praying for him and and uh, just super proud of him and and, and the dad part thing I'm most proud about you know just watching him really really work hard to be a really really good dad and you can tell that you know Debo Junior little Debo um, you know recognizes that and so that's probably the thing that I enjoyed the most being out there this weekend is just watching him be a father yeah. Well, we thank you for being with us, and uh, boy, I know that was quite the thrill to be there and see them do their thing, and uh, we congratulate you on what you did in uh, helping uh, Debo get to where he is today, and of course, you've helped a lot of players uh, along, the, along the road get to certain um, levels of football or certain levels of life. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at the clinic in a couple of weeks, and again, thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys, and you know, go 49ers, and God bless them. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Good talking to you. Yes, Coach sir. Mark Hodge from Spartanburg High School, doing a great job there. Of course, he was at Chapman, and uh, that's where he coached Debo Samuel. We appreciate Coach for uh, being with us tonight here on Sports Talk. Great guy, and uh, always enjoy talking to him. All right, going to run to the break, and then we'll be back with more Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Our phone number, 888 2525 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Speaking of football, Furman is going to start spring practice one week from today. First practice scheduled for 4 o'clock. Paladin Stadium, open to the public. That's the first of 15 practices. You can go watch some football again if you're hankering for some football action. Be back in a moment. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They 
keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-765. 2968 or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com that's c-o-r-b-e-t-t i don't get paid unless i recover for you jim corbett attorney for your best recovery from a big hit 803-765-2968 or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com you've put in the work for your education the extra early extra late extra extra work that's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Thanks again to Coach Mark Hodge for being with us tonight. Great stuff from him. Hadn't really thought about who I like in the game. I think I'm going to go. I keep I keep in my mind playing down Brock Purdy. Just can't believe he's a a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Then again, we've had some Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that weren't great quarterbacks in their own right. They were just on great teams that had other really great parts and great defenses. He might be a great quarterback one day. I think if you pressure him, you can control him. But then again, you have to be a little bit concerned about his ability to run, as he showed the other day. The Chiefs, well, I tell you what, you got to be impressed with what they did. To go to two places to win where they won is pretty doggone impressive. In Mahomes, Kelsey, they just always deal up some kind of magic. And uh, I don't know. I think I got to I think I got to roll with the Chiefs here. The more veteran team, probably the better quarterback. The two tight ends, they kind of are a wash, right? I mean, Kittle is outstanding uh, with the with the 49ers, of course Kelsey with the with the Chiefs um running game give a little bit of an edge to well, uh, yeah, give I got to give more an edge right? of San Fran, yeah. Um Debo might, might be the X factor in this thing. Is he going to be 100% healthy? This this week off, you would think, would certainly yeah. help. Two weeks to get ready, yeah. I mean, he played the entire way the other day, I believe, so uh, maybe that's not a problem. So, um, still go with Kansas City here. 
I think. I, I think so, too. And just the path that the Chiefs did, we were kind of writing them off. I mean, there were midway through the season, there were folks out there legitimately wondering if the Chiefs would make the playoffs mm-hmm. or not. They, and they fought their way in, and they ended up the fifth seed. But the, the path they had, some experts out there are calling it, quote, the most difficult path in NFL history. But a little footnote underneath that, remember, we're only a couple of years into now having the super wildcard weekend. So they're having to play more games than before. But they beat number six Miami at home, who was a very good six seed of the Dolphins, number three on the road at Buffalo, and number one on the road again against Baltimore, who looked like an absolute Super Bowl caliber winning winning team. And I'm with you. I don't know if there's ever been a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to win the Super Bowl, but two Mr. Irrelevants in the last 15 years or so that I can think of that did win were uh, Marcus Colston with the Saints, who won that year with Drew Brees, and then helped me out kicker for the Gamecocks, uh, who then won it with the Suck Buccaneers. Up. Yeah, Ryan Suckup mm-hmm. won it as well. Got a great memory. Yeah, so that's two different Mr. Irrelevants that I can think of, but I'm not sure there's ever been a quarterback. So to see Brock Purdy do that would be a pretty cool story. And as a Panthers fan, I'm also a big Christian McCaffrey fan. I'd like to see him win. Uh, I feel like Shanahan at this point out there has kind of almost started to get the reputation of not being able to win the big game. So remember they lost the Super Bowl a couple of years ago to this very similar, almost same mm-hmm. Chiefs team. Yeah. Uh, when I believe the Chiefs had like a 21, they scored 21 unanswered in the fourth or something like that to come back and win that game. And uh, so to see that slip away for Kyle Shanahan, it'd be nice also to, to see him kind of get over that hump. But I'm with you. I am not betting against Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. He has shown that that tandem together and Kelsey have shown time and time again the ability to win no matter the, the odds against them or whatever. And this year also, they have a great defensive team. I, I wouldn't say they're they're not quite like the, what was that, 2015 Broncos that beat, again, my Panthers, unfortunately, in the Super Bowl. Mm. That was a... Peyton Manning was a shell of his former self. That was a defensive-led team that won that championship by them. The Chiefs are not that level. They're still a very, very good offense. But this is a—it's the best defense, I think, that Andy Reid has had in his time in Kansas City and that Patrick Mahomes has had, certainly. But I would give the edge there. I'm with you. I'm I'm going with the Chiefs. But I think it'll be pretty close. Sorry about hacking during your— No, you're good. During your comments there. At the very, very tail end of a two-week head cold— ordeal but almost over just a little post nasal drip to add to your uh, your delight tonight so um a couple of other things to mention as we approach top of the hour mike morgan after the uh, top of the hour and then uh, we'll hear from the new coach of the panthers in the second uh, part of the hour we'll have recruiting for you as well a couple of other notes to pass along let's update our poll question of the of the week excuse me Got a little scratch going there. Clemson opens the 24th season with a marquee national game. And I apologize, though I did correct it. Well, I couldn't correct it because I didn't. Somebody pointed it out to me and I didn't see it until it was past the amount of time that I could edit the question. I misspelled marquee. Ah. Spelled it M A R Q U I S E, which is a way to spell marquee but not the way to spell marquee the way I meant to spell marquee. But anyway, long story short, Clemson opens the 24th season against Georgia in Atlanta. <clears throat> FanDuel has the Bulldogs favored by 12 and a half. Wow. With an under of 48 and a half. Based on what you know now, which play would you make? We've had 672 votes. 
62.5% say take Georgia. 16.7% say take Clemson. 14.1% take the under. 6.7% say take the over. Uh, Clemson's got some work to do to rebuild their reputation, and a win over Georgia would certainly go a long way towards doing that. I saw uh, one of those way-too-early top 25 things come out. I think it was Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. He had Clemson way down like at number 19. And one of the reasons he cited was their lack of involvement in the portal, John. Hmm. The fact that they didn't go out, haven't gone out, and brought in any players out of the portal, John, that might help them in certain areas. I tell you, man, these national writers, these analysts, these pundits, they hold that against Dabo. They hold it against Swinney, the fact that he refuses to successfully recruit. I mean, they might, again, drop some lines in the water. But whatever they're doing in recruiting the portal isn't working because obviously they haven't landed anybody that they seriously tried to get from the portal. And I think secretly Sweeney's back there in his back room very satisfied with what he's got. I think we saw that happen in real time a bit this season. And what I mean is you have players transferring out, but you're not replacing – or sorry, you're replacing them with new players coming in that are freshmen. You're not replacing them with people the same age, potentially upperclassmen. And I would make the argument that any, I don't care what star they were, a two or three star senior or super senior or sixth year player is going to be leaps and bounds better than a five star freshman right out of the gate. Just because of the conditioning of the the weight program of being in the system long enough. And so as good as freshmen might be like this past year for the Tigers, as good as those incoming freshmen were. I don't think we saw their actual assets until later in the season when Clemson put together that winning streak. Mm-hmm. So early on in the year, you were having a lopsided battle, and that might be in fruition uh, happen again against Georgia because Georgia's playing with all upperclassmen guys. Clemson's going to have to play some, some freshmen right out of the gate. No question about it. And Georgia has no trouble going into the portal, John, and pulling players out and using them. Neither has Alabama, Ohio State, and others. Okay, top of the hour break. We shall return. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And for those of you just joining us over the airwaves, welcome, welcome, welcome. Missed a great first hour, including an interview with Mark Hodge, head football coach at Spartan High, formerly of Chapman, where he coached Debo Samuel. He was out in San Fran for the game Sunday. Had a lot of great things to say about that and about Debo. If you missed that, we'll have it up in podcast for you on our podcast sites, you can catch it there. And uh, what else did we do in the first hour? A lot of news, a lot of witty repartee, as you expect here on Sports Talk. Chris Bergen is calling a game tonight. Coastal Carolina James Madison. South Carolina women are going to play Auburn tonight at Auburn, apparently without Chloe Kitts, because the women's X account sent out a get well soon post to Chloe Kitts, I'm trying not to say tweet, 
Try not to say Twitter because it's X and post. So they said uh, sending get well wishes to Chloe Kitts. Feel better soon. So I'm assuming that means she's out tonight for the Gamecocks. Don't see anything here where they are saying she's out, but that kind of is an indication that it's out. And by the way, it says here as well, student tickets for their game against UConn coming up officially sold out. So there you go with that. And one other note we did not get to in the first hour, but we will touch on in the second hour, is coming reports coming out of the Senior Bowl today in Mobile, Alabama, that two former Gamecocks had very, very productive days and apparently caught the eyes of a lot of scouts and that's quarterback Spencer Rattler and wide receiver, uh, excuse me, Xavier, Xavier Leggett. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Both of them apparently really had standout days, so that's good to hear, and we'll touch on that later as well. Well, I'm going to tell the NFL people the same thing I told them when Samuel came through. Xavier Leggett is a player, and if you couldn't tell that by the way he played this year and what you're seeing down there now, if you don't take him, you need a receiver, you don't take him, you're not very smart. Okay. That's it for my NFL advice. Let's get advice from our man on the move, the one and the only Mike Morgan. Brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. For 35 years, Gary has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood. Your auto, home, life insurance, and business insurance can all be handled by Gary when he isn't refereeing ACC football games He's spending countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go check out GaryPatterson.net today. Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family. That's GaryPatterson.net. There are lots of places to buy your next ride, but there is no place like Love Chevy, where you never pay more than MSRP, ever. Come by and feel the difference of love. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. Mike Morgan joining us now. Morgan on the move, and he has been on the move around the world of college basketball, primarily in the SEC, calling games. On the ESPN dysfunctional family of networks. Good evening, Mike. How are you? I am doing fine. <laughs> How you feeling? Not great. I've been battling uh, bronchitis for the last couple weeks, but uh, pressing through game after game, day after day. Mm. Funny. Hour by the hour. You've never sounded better. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, your uh, producer there was talking about you couldn't notice last night, and uh, all I can say to that is it's the magic of quality drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Not cheap drugs either, brother. Not cheap. No. So no, um, not what, do you, what do you make of uh, what's happening around the SEC in particular? South Carolina goes into Tennessee. 13-and-a-half-point dog, pulls off the win. It was no fluke win because they were right there the entire game and made shots down the stretch, and that defense is – they are really believing in their defense right now. What do you – you know, Alabama won a tough one last night um, down there at Georgia. Georgia's had a couple of tough home losses to Tennessee and, and Alabama. They were with those teams. They were right there until those other uh, – to the opponents pulled away. So what do you make of everything at this point with Alabama standing alone at the top? And, of course, Florida – winning at Kentucky in overtime last night. Well, you know, let's start with the Carolina uh, victory because I don't 
I know we haven't spoken uh, on air or off air since then. I, I, I think that is as impressive as Kentucky was. I actually think to go on the road in Knoxville and do that to Tennessee, uh, and nobody could accuse Carolina of sneaking up on anybody. When you beat Kentucky like a drum on national TV the way they did the week before, you're on everybody's radar. Mm. Uh, Tennessee certainly was prepared. They knew they had a good team. They were ready to go. It was a big game, and they still lost. So I, I, I just think that's that's mammoth. Um, somebody mentioned, and I can't remember the, the dates, Phil, and you might you might have come across this, but the last time that Carolina beat two top ten teams in the same week, it was early, early McGuire era. 1968. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. There, I knew you'd be all over that. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, that is <laughs> that, that's just phenomenal. I mean, and there's nothing flukish about it. So, look, I, I said, I said uh, on one of the games I was doing the other day, uh, and I say this with uh, full objectivity, Lamont mm-hmm. Paris would be my SEC Coach of the Year right now. Uh, I'll tell you what Eric Musselman told me last night before the Arkansas game I did. We talked to Eric Musselman for about 30 minutes, and if you know Eric Musselman at all, he is not bashful uh, of opinions or thoughts or anything. He also knows a hell of a lot about basketball. It's all he's ever done going back to his dad, Bill Musselman, and uh, since his days coaching the CBA as a 23-year-old. He said for him the best player in the SEC this year would be Talon Cooper. Think about that. Uh, there's a lot of extremely good talent in the league this year and a, and a plethora of elite point guards this year. And he said he would take Talon Cooper all, over all of them. And and I've, I've kind of joked on, uh, on some other shows since December that I've had a, a man crush on Talon Cooper. I just love the way he plays. Here we go with the man crush again. Yep, and I think he's I think he's the biggest key to Carolina's success. Now he's not the the only key, but he's uh, he's a huge key. But but what that win does, it, it, we are now past. And I understand there's a lot of games to be played, mm-hmm. but we, for my money, uh, we're at the point now where the analytics are more about seeding than they are getting in the tournament. You're looking at a tournament team. You're looking at a tournament team that was picked dead last in the SEC. I can't remember the last time that happened. Um, so it's just a, it's a phenomenal story. It's it's great to see a program that desperately needed a uh, jolt of enthusiasm in it uh, get it with the right coach uh, and the right compilation of players. So uh, I would just start on that note that. Uh, you know, Carolina now, and look, they, they could they could easily lose in Athens on Saturday. Uh, they're they're not, they're not going to win out, right? They're going to lose some games. It's a stacked league. I think the winner of the SEC could easily be thirteen and five. You could have a five loss SEC champion because the league is that good and that deep, as I've been talking about. It would be going back to our conversations in November, uh, but uh, you know, Carolina is going to be. One of those teams, and they'll be certainly fighting for the conference championship, which which would be a mammoth accomplishment. Uh, but I'd be shocked if they weren't going to the NCAA tournament as we sit here and talk in, in the first day of February. And I, I just I think that is uh, such a, a great story in itself, not just locally. You have to understand, 
national people now are talking about South Carolina. That hasn't happened, obviously, since the Final Four. And even leading up to the Final Four, nobody thought that team was that good. Uh, They made a great run in the tournament, which happens from time to time. But this is the most hype for a Gamecock basketball team in the regular season in a long time. Well, visiting with Mike Morgan, and I know a lot of Gamecock fans uh, don't want to hear this because of the way things ended with Frank Martin, though he did, of course, guide a team to the Final Four back in 2017. But they're going to have to hear it whether they like it or not. And that is the way the Gamecocks are playing right now, very similar to how that team played and won in 2017. Uh, hanging their hats on defense and having enough offense to get them over the top. You go back to that 2017 team, and the Gamecocks averaged 73 points per game offensively, and they gave up a, a like uh, they gave up 65 points per game. So defensively, they were 32nd in the country. Offensively, they were 179th. Much like this year's team which really hangs its hat right now on defense, has some guys who can score like Cooper, and they do have some good outside shooters, as we well know, and they're winning without Michi Johnson scoring a whole lot, but they're giving up um, 60, they're giving up, uh, they're giving up 64. 64. 64. They're 24th in the country in defense, giving up 64. So I think it's a very similar situation in, in terms of the the style of play and it works it worked for him back in 2017 it's working for him now i'm not saying it's going to get him to the final four but it's going to give him a chance every game out well no question and the other thing they do well is they handle the basketball well and so if you if defense and ball security those two things typically travel well that's not just a byproduct of being a good team on your home floor. And so those two things clearly traveled well in Knoxville. They traveled well in Fayetteville. They've traveled well in other spots along the way, and I, I think they'll continue to travel well. Uh, now, I don't know where this offense off the top of my head ranks in the SEC, but my, my guess is somewhere in the in the middle of the pack. But as you mentioned, the defense, the last time I checked, that was number one that points per game number and if it's not number 1 it's it's right up there the team that they were battling <laughs> ironically enough was Tennessee for much of the way in in that category um and and you go back to that 2017 team and I can't remember off the top of my head on this one either you would be more apt to remember where they finished in the league like they they were never a threat to win the league this team actually is a threat right now to win the league so uh, you know, it, it, it's apples to oranges, and you could be a really good team and not go to a Final Four. You could be a not-so-great team and get hot at the right time and go to a Final Four. But I think this team's regular season has a chance to be the best one since Eddie Fogler's SEC title team back in 97. Well, the, the team went 15-1, and one, unfortunately bowed out to Coppin State. So uh, I, what they're doing is, is historic. No matter what happens in March, what they're doing in the regular season right now is historic. Well, they finished in 2017. They were 12 and six in the league. They finished tied for third with Arkansas. Florida was 14 and four, and Kentucky was 16 and two. So, okay, yeah, they they were yeah they finished 26 and 11. But they were only, if I remember correctly, they were like a seven seed That's in the right. NCAA tournament. So even still, the committee 
was you know they they didn't treat them like a top three or four seed. They they were a seventh seed, um, so they didn't get a whole lot of respect there. They had to fight their way through a pretty tough bracket. I mean, they, of course, they had they played in Greenville, and they beat Marquette, and then he played in Greenville, and they beat Duke. Then you go up to New York, and you beat Baylor on a Friday night, and then you beat Florida on a Sunday afternoon, and then you go to the Final Four. And you got a shot right. in the Final Four against Gonzaga. You know, you got the ball, you got momentum on your side, and uh, unfortunately for them, I thought Felder took a very poor shot in a fast break situation, took a, a deep shot, kind of missed, and Gonzaga got the rebound, went down and scored, and I think that kind of killed the Gamecocks' momentum, Pat. Mike, that wasn't the only bad shot. I, I don't want to. Yeah, uh, I don't want to sell anybody out, but I, I thought some of the decisions made handling the ball and taking those shots down the stretch, they should have been Sundarius Thornwell. Yeah. That was that was he was your go-to guy, and other guys I thought played a little bit of hero ball. But that's that's neither here nor there. There's still a, a terrific run. Um, but yeah, I, I'd forgotten what their conference record was. And this team certainly has a chance to be right up there when it's all said and done. To your other question, though, I mean, you watch Florida win at Rupp Arena. You know, you watch Alabama doing what they're doing. Nobody wants to play Auburn uh, on their home floor. This is a much deeper league than it was in 2017. It's yeah. a much better league than it was in 2017. Yeah, only five so they, teams, they, only five SEC teams made the tournament that year. There you go. I, I mean, as. Uh, and that, and I, I would, I would bet very good money on February one that this is an eight bid league with the possibility of Florida being nine wow. after they finally picked up their first quad one win. So I, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be an eight or nine bid league. Eight would tie the record. Nine would be the new SEC record. So I, I kind of like going down this road with you. This is a good kind of comp seven years ago what it was then, what it is now. And there are, certainly are some similarities, but there's also some pretty stark differences as uh, as we've highlighted. Mike, this is probably way too early to bring up, but with the talk now, you already mentioned, you think that Coach Paris would, should be up for National Coach of the Year or Conference Coach of the Year. I saw the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal or whatever the local paper is up there already talking about him and how Wisconsin let Coach Paris get away and if he might ever come back. Where I'm going with this is, when he was first hired, I was a big B.J. Mackey fan and kind of questioned the hire, thinking Coach Paris might be gone within three years, either not doing well and getting fired or being successful and getting poached by a Big Ten team. Well, he quickly won everybody over here, myself included. With the success the Gamecocks are having this season, other teams are going to come calling. It's, just a ma- it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when at this point. What's it going to take for USC to keep him here in Columbia, and do you think Ray Tanner is going to open up the checkbook, or what do you see happening this offseason? Uh, Ray would not let him go. Ray has never, I mean, Don Staley has flirted with other teams several times uh, and has gotten many raises in the process, but Ray's never never uh, let her go, so to speak. I mean, he's always managed to keep the coaches that are that are worth keeping, and that would still be the same here. You're an SEC program, you've got SEC dollars, and he happens to love Columbia. So, you know, if that actually became a a situation where he was coveted by other uh, programs, I don't I don't think it would be uh, too big of a concern to be honest with you. I had a really good uh, long talk with him one on one before I did the Missouri game uh, a week and a half ago, and, and actually shared some of that conversation. I think it went viral on 
on X uh, and other spots, just kind of his background and where he comes from and what makes him tick. Because I don't think that story had been told by anybody before, quite frankly. Everybody just knew he was the guy that coached at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan, but they really didn't know anything about him. But if you know his track record and background, this is the kind of guy that was waiting for somebody to give him his big break. And I don't think he wants to just turn the other cheek on the guy and Ray Tanner and the program in South Carolina that did that. On top of that, he's beloved here. He's happy. He loves the area. Uh, and he knows that he's not just setting up this program for a blip on the radar successful breakout year. He wants to do this and have something that Gamecock basketball has lacked for the better part of 50 years, which is consistently good. Going to back-to-back tournaments or even back-to-back-to-back tournaments and doing something once you get there. I think he sees the potential there. He sees a an 18,000-seat arena that gets extremely loud when your team is good, a fan base that is behind you, uh, a recruiting base now with the portal. And this is key. With the portal, you no longer have to constantly be worried about, well, this kid, the, the very best players out of South Carolina, they all want to go to Duke. They all want to go to Tobacco Road. They all want to go everywhere but the state of South. Well, you know what? You can win without having those five-star kids. So if a Zion Williamson wants to go to Duke, sayonara. <laughs> get the other kids. Get the three-star kids out of South Carolina, like a Talon Cooper, like a Murray Boyles, who did not get an offer from South Carolina or Clemson. Get those kids. And then go in the portal. And get valuable guys like a Miles Studi, like a Josh Gray. Get those type of players in the portal. And and I'm confident that Lamont Paris will be able to field a quality and competitive team year in, year out, not just a once-in-a-every-10-year type situation where you hit the perfect storm. So I, I, I'm pretty confident if if everything turns out well and Lamont's the toast of the town and all of a sudden people come knocking, uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident Ray Tanner will do what it takes to keep him around, and I'm pretty confident he's quite happy in Columbia. Visiting with Mike Morgan <coughs> for a <coughs> couple of more minutes before we cut him loose, the SEC announced the uh, format for the SEC baseball tournament beginning in May of 2025. They're going to have all 16 teams come to Hoover, and a single elimination all the way through. And the top four teams get a double bye. I'm sure you familiarize yourself with all of this. Uh, you like this format for a baseball tournament? Uh, you like having all 16 teams in there? Is I think they probably did that so that teams would have a chance to win one or two more games to help their resume for the NCAA tournament. That's just me thinking. What would you think about what they did here? Well, this is what coaches have wanted all along. The coaches all want the extra opportunities – to win more games, and quite honestly, it's it's a how do I survive and not get fired? If you're having a bad year and only two teams get left out of the tournament, I think a lot of coaches feel like that was a bad look, and so it's easier to get fired. My, the way I look at it, because I don't have to worry about coaches getting fired because I'm not a coach, if you've been that bad all year long, you don't need to be in the SEC tournament uh, necessarily you know, I think some of these teams that I've covered in the SEC over the years, or any conference for that matter, that have been so so beleaguered with injuries, they don't have any pitching, they really don't stand a fighting chance to make any type of run. Why send them to Hoover for a tournament 
so I can see it from both sides. Uh, and, and again, this has been talked about for a long time before the, even the addition of, of two more programs. But uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. The, the thing about it is, I mean, talking with these coaches, when they get to that point that they're a good team, they want to save their pitching for the NCAA tournament, not the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Same thing that goes with the ACC tournament, pool play, which I've had that event a few times. So uh, I, I I don't know if it's really uh, the best solution. We'll give it a shot. I'm trying not to be too cynical about it until I see it take fold. But uh, but I know one thing. That's a lot of traffic out there mm. uh, and, and a lot of teams that will be either playing just to rest their pitching staff, some teams playing out the string, some teams playing on the bubble, those will be the most significant games, and the rest will be the rest. So it, it all depends on which matchup you're looking at. Well, Oklahoma and Texas coming in, going to add a lot more great baseball to an already uh, great baseball league, and they'll continue to play 30 league games with 10 three-game series for everybody. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, where are you taking your sore throat and your hoarseness this weekend? I'm heading out to the Music City tomorrow and uh, for the game Saturday at Vanderbilt. First time I've had Vanderbilt all year. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a street and, there. There's a street there called Broadway, uh, yeah. and there's some really good um, places there to get fluids that'll that'll help you feel better. Yeah, no, I've heard about that. Yeah. I've heard. Trust me, those same fluids I can find in my house. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to go three and a half hours to get those fluids, but. Yeah. Uh, but they are, well, yeah, are they, no, it'll be interesting. Are they served to you by uh, by blondes in uh, in pink uh, cowboy boots? Uh, well, that would only be my wife, of course. Yes. That would be uh, she is blonde and uh, she does own a pair of cowboy boots. Oh. so that's that's okay. a possibility. Uh, yeah, you know, we like to mix it up every now and then, Phil. <laughs> um, but no, there's no telling. You're a man's what, uh, man, what Mike considered. Morgan. You're a man's man. <laughs> the people want to know now, Mike. Is it Tennessee whiskey or Kentucky bourbon? What's your What's your poison? Well, it's Kentucky bourbon for me. It's, uh, it's Woodford. It's Blanton's. Mm. It's Buffalo Trace. Uh, Little Angels Envy. Yeah, it's hard uh, to beat the I'm bourbon a trail. Kentucky bourbon guy. Bourbon trail. I stopped Very at uh, the distillery there where they make uh, Woodford. That's quite the. That's quite the vacation spot uh, on the way I've been there. It's between awesome. Lexington and I, Louisville. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a that, uh, Woodford and Buffalo Trace are my. I've done Maker's Mark as well. Those mm. would be my two favorite though. Woodford. I'd recommend Woodford and Buffalo Trace to anybody. Yeah. Mike Morgan, brought to you by Woodford and Buffalo Trace. Mm. Yes. Get, hey, get him, let's let's make that happen. Get him while Call he's sober. Staff. That's our goal. Get him while he's sober. Mike. Exactly. Hope you feel better. Thanks for the visit, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys, take care. Take care of yourself in the Music City. Hard to take care of yourself in the Music City because things can get out of hand there. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Come back with some recruiting and comments from the new coach of the Panthers, Dave Canales. That's coming up after the break. All right, first round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And my gosh, are there any more beautiful television shots 
And I know Augusta. I know Augusta. But are there any more beautiful television shots than Pebble Beach? They had a camera angle today, and I was watching from afar at a restaurant watching on television. But the camera shot was back across the tee with the Pacific Ocean right behind the tee box with the waves were huge. Remember, the, there's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the waves are just going to crash on top of the tee box. That's kind of the unbelievable angle. Uh, Anyway, Thomas, I think it's Dietrich, or is it Detry? Thomas Dietrich, who's out of Dubai, went to the University of Illinois, 9 under, 63 for him. Of course, they play different courses now. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, he had a 64. Matthew Pavon had a 66. Emiliano Grillo had a 66. Siwoo Kim had a 66. Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa, they had 67s today. Let's see who we have in here locally. Locally, we've got, uh, well, and some others, I'll tell you. Justin Thomas, a 68, 4 under. Scotty Scheffler, a 69, 3 under. Um, Roy McElroy, a 71, minus 1. Jordan Spieth, even, 72. Lucas Glover is the only player from the state we have in the event, and he shoots a 73, plus 1. Beautiful, beautiful golf course, that's for sure. Okay, now, today the Panthers, Dave Tepper, introduced his new uh, leadership team. It's uh, a new head coach. And a new general manager. And he's stepping out of the way, he said. Uh, He was asked for an interview. Or he was asked if he was going uh, going to talk after the press conference with the media. He said, nope, I'm just... I'm sliding to the background now. Uh, it's time for me to kind of get out of the way and and let these guys run things. We'll see how long that lasts. But there seems to be excitement <clears throat> with Dan Morgan and Dave Canales. Morgan, the former player, been working in the front office for a while in the NFL, going to get a chance to build this team, and Canales is going to get a chance to uh, run the team. Here is some of what the new head coach, Dave Canales, said to the media today and to the fans and family members in attendance in Charlotte as he was officially introduced. What a moment of gratitude. What a moment of uh, just thankfulness. You know, I can, uh, you know, in the room this big and, of course, for everyone who's watching, you know, I think we can all kind of think about the people who believed in us first, um, who gave us our first opportunity to uh, show who we are to express ourselves. And so first I want to thank uh, David and Nicole for, for giving me this opportunity. This is a dream of a lifetime that Lizzie and I have had um, that goes back 20 years um, and really, you know, the last 10 years really honing this opportunity to get in front of an ownership and to sell a vision of who we can become. Um, it's in my DNA. It's a part of who I am. And uh, for allowing me to be me and recognizing that. So I want to thank you, um, Christy, as well, just uh, throughout the process. You know, it was um, I learned so much just in those couple of days, um, just how to interact and how to um, to try to just keep the focus on the things that are important and and feeling what your um, vision is for this team and feeling that alignment that's happening with Dan and I uh, to fit right into that. I'm just really appreciative there. Um, I got to thank the Bucks organization for believing in me, giving me a shot. 
I was in Seattle for 13 years, um, but I get my first offensive coordinator opportunity way on the other side of the country. Um, and so my family, you know, uh, Lizzie and the kids moved out last April. I didn't quite make it to my one-year anniversary there, uh, which would have been February 18th. Um, so this part has happened really fast, but this is something that I've been working on. I really want to thank the Glazer family um, and uh, <clears throat> Joel and Darcy, Jason Light, Todd Bowles um, for giving me that chance, for uh, just letting me let it rip, giving me the confidence to be able to do that. I'm really appreciative there, um, which takes me back to my time in Seattle. And to formulate an identity, to formulate a football DNA that wins 10 out of 13 years to the playoffs. I just coached in my 20th and 21st playoff games uh, this, these last past couple of weeks. Um, and so I'm just really appreciative of Pete Carroll, who pushed me to think about the next thing. Quit looking just at the quarterback. Quit just staring at the wide receiver's route. Open your eyes. What's happening with these combos? You see what the defense is doing? Did you notice we're playing a lot more of this coverage this camp? Open your eyes. Think bigger. Be prepared. I can't thank Pete enough. Um, and uh, I'm going to miss a bunch of other names. But at that point right there, I just want to also just thank the players, um, the guys who, who really just did a fantastic job in it. And most recently, you know, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, these guys that I got to just spend so much life with um, to learn, to watch them grow as men, to watch them grow as football players. Um, it's their fault that I'm here. And that's the bottom line is, is it's, uh, it's about the players, um, my family. Um, just growing up in a family who's uh, just a, a family of dreamers and self-starters in Carson, California, the Canales family, and then my extended family, the Hendersons, my wife's family, who we moved to in Seattle, were with them for 13 years, how they walked the, the, hard, the hard days, the frustrating days in the profession, the frustrating and hard days in our marriage and our family, walking alongside of us, um, and just their undying support, prayers, all of my family members and friends that have um, been supportive over the years. Um, my kids, Ashby, Ben, B, Mai Mai, Amaya, um, who lend their dad to this profession for six months at a time. Um, but we fight for each other. We fight for windows. We fight to connect, um, to listen to each other and to grow together. Um, and finally, my wife, Lizzie. It's really her fault. 20 years ago, I'm the head JV coach at Carson High School. Fired up. I'm so excited. We go to play Venice High School. It's my first game coaching. She's sitting, sitting up in the stands with about 35 crazy parents. Um, and uh, we got smoked 34 to 13 that day. It was the greatest day of my life because I had found it. I found my passion. And after two years of doing that, she comes to me and she knew all I wanted to do was be the head coach at Carson High School. That's what I wanted to do. Take it, get us back on top. Um, try to win championships and do all that. And she said, hey, don't get me wrong. I love your dream. You're really good at this. I think you can go as far as you want, and I got your back. And I'll make it happen, whatever we need to do. And, and she did. And she worked three jobs at times. Um, and she told me the hard truths. Um, and when I had problems with players or coaches, said, you know what you need to do? You need to sit down and have those conversations. And she's just been everything to me. This is our journey. This is our dream. Um, and we've been so excited and, and prepared for this opportunity. Um, so I thank you and I love you, babe. Um, 
So that's just kind of the journey. Um, how I got here started off with the dream in, in high school, and uh, that turned into junior college. And uh, at El Camino College, I learned the spread pass game from a man named John Featherstone, rest in peace. Um, and that's where I met Pete Carroll, and Pete gave me an opportunity to come along with him. I spent 14 formative, amazing years. I don't know if you've heard the saying, see a little, see a lot. Well, if you can sit at that same porch, you'll watch the world go by. Watch, watch the NFL world come through the trends, the changes, the players, the generations of players, how to communicate, all happen in one place, in one city, for me, um, just was a recipe for forming a really solid identity and a belief in a way to win. Um, and I was able to um, fortunately take that to Tampa last year and to show what can happen. Not what can't we do, but what can we do? Who are our guys? And how do we build an offense around these people? And I'm excited to be able to do that here with the whole team to find our strengths, make them second nature, to find our weaknesses and work them into strengths. And I'm so excited to do it with Dan, with Brant, with Mr. and Mrs. Tepper, and all of us in the building, really, that every time those players walk into this building, they're going to feel that intentionality they're going to feel that this is about them. This is about building a place for them to thrive. All right, there you go. Comments, Dave Canellis. He went on to take a bunch of questions, and he's really looking forward to working with the quarterbacks um, with the Panthers to see if he can uh, develop some things there and improve the situation there at the quarterback position. You got something else? I just couldn't help but chuckle as you were in, uh, go leading into that interview there. You mentioned how – Panthers owner David Tepper said essentially he was going to kind of go into the background and let these other guys take over a little bit, if I heard what you were saying right. Well, that comes just six days after the official press release from the Panthers announcing the hire of, of Dave Canales to be head coach that said, quote, as with GM Dan Morgan, Canales will report directly to owner David Tepper with the expectation being that they would, re- that they would report to the owner weekly. Mm. That doesn't exactly sound like going into the shadows or backing away to me, but maybe yeah. that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe today he didn't want to be. He did not want today to be about him. There you go. He wanted today to be about his new GM and his his new head coach. But they got a lot of work ahead of them. Obviously, the Panthers have a lot of holes. Now their defense was pretty good, so maybe that's a good starting point. They got to do a lot of work on the offensive side, and of course, the big question mark will be the quarterback position and whether or not they think they can move forward with Bryce Young. Is he the answer? Canales thinks that he can work with him and develop him as he has done with other quarterbacks. So if he's got the talent, he's got the knowledge, you've got to have some good people around him. We'll see what he's able to do. Of course, then again, Frank Reich was known as a quarterback's coach when they hired him, an older guy, a lot of experience, and they thought that, but they didn't really give him a chance. Nope, I mean, not. they fired him midseason. What kind of what kind of chance did he get to develop a guy that was a rookie and who needs, of course, a, a lot of work and a lot of development? All right, let's go to the break, and we'll come back and give you the recruiting report tonight. Oh, before we do that, sorry, Pat just shared with me a a big story coming out of Columbia, and that is the Chick-fil-A. This is by uh, by uh, Scoop Lou Bajak of the state newspaper, the Chick-fil-A Classic announced a major change this afternoon. The Midlands Chick-fil-A restaurants, they have decided to end the run as title sponsor of the event. Midlands Chick-fil-A 
restaurants have been the title sponsor for 22 years. And since the beginning of the tournament, proceeds have provided more than $230,000 in scholarships through the Greater Columbia Educational Advancement Foundation. The uh, foundation said it will explore the possibility of a new sponsor in the future. The tournament's been held at River Bluff in Lexington the last three years. It was at Richland Northeast from its inception until the move to Lexington. And Ridgeview uh, Dynamic Prep won the championships in this year's event. So sponsorship and name, Chick-fil-A Classic, um, done with this particular event, one of the biggest in the country. I mean, they attract they attract great teams from uh, all across the country. And I'm sure they will continue to do so, and I'm sure they'll find a, a great sponsor and, and keep it going. All right, we'll hit the break now on Sports Talk, and we'll uh, update some basketball. Wilmington is leading the College of Charleston. Hello, Sam. Oh, it just tied up, 34-34. And James Madison is leading Coastal Carolina at halftime, 52-34. to Yeah, we knew they were pretty good going in, and they are proving to be just that. Monmouth is leading Drexel. This would be big for Charleston, 33-23 at the half. Be right back. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training, and Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Attention high school sports fans, are you an armchair official? You know, the parent or fan who constantly yells at the referees and loves to let everyone know just how bad you think they are. Well, if you think you could do better, then get in the game and prove it. It's time for you to suit up and make the calls where they actually count. Every sport in South Carolina needs more officials. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. 
All right, let's give you the recruiting report on this big Thursday night. It's brought to you by Seawells. Want to remind you if you got a special event coming up, maybe it's a wedding reception, a birthday party, a corporate outing, an awards banquet, a business luncheon. Make sure you call the catering experts at Seawells. They've been serving the state of South Carolina with excellent food and service for, gosh, 75 years. The Seawell family and staff can handle all your planning and catering needs at their facility on Rosewood Drive, or they'll come to your venue. Their website is SeawellsCateringSC.com, and their phone number is 803-771-7385. And tomorrow we cap another big week of the Daily Luncheon Buffet, and we cap it in style. That's right. Tomorrow will be another Roast Beef Friday. Shout out, Andy, along with Southern Fried Chicken and Baked Flounder Filet. And then don't forget all your local farm fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. All right. Check it out tomorrow. And again, for catering, give the folks at Seawells a call. All right. South Carolina offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley paid a visit to Louisville this week to see center Isaac Souls. 6'2", 292. The two have known each other for about a year. Souls camped at USC last summer, and their relationship seems to be growing stronger over time. He really likes what he hears from Teasley. He likes that Teasley can recruit, getting Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, and others. And so he really he wants to play where football is big and where the, the stadiums are packed. He was at USC for the Kentucky game, which was under the lights last November. He was very impressed with the atmosphere. And that really uh, turned him on to South Carolina, to be quite honest with you. He's been to West Virginia, Louisville, Miami, and NC State. That was in January. This weekend, he's going to Indiana and then to Kentucky. He said he has some favorites in mind right now, and the Gamecocks are among those he's thinking about as a strong contender. He wants to commit between June and August. He'll start to narrow things down around May. Other offers... For the first-team All-State center, who grew up a Notre Dame fan, Penn State, Virginia Tech, East Carolina, South Florida, Duke, and Virginia. South Carolina's handed out a bunch of new offers in the 25 class. Linebacker Cameron White, Riverview, Florida. Running back Tavion Swint, Kissimmee, Florida. He's been committed to UCF. And cornerback Mark Manfred of Marietta, Georgia. He's a Clemson target as well. In the 26th class from Gonzaga High in Washington, D.C., linebacker Kedrick Golston, defensive end Carter Meadows, and linebacker Tyson Harley from Carrollton, Georgia, receiver Caden Prothrow from Anniston, Alabama, defensive end Hezekiah Harrison. In the 27th class, cornerback Akadron Cremel from Nightdale, North Carolina, and defensive back Zavon Miller from Richmond. USC 2026 commit quarterback Landon Duckworth was offered by Texas A&M and Arkansas. Better keep an eye on him for the Gamecocks. He's getting a lot of big-time attention now. J.L. Mann quarterback Ethan Anderson accepted a PWO offer from Clemson. Clemson offered linebacker Chase Taylor 6'3", 210. He's out of Stockbridge, Georgia. And Sumter defensive end Anthony Addison was offered by West Virginia. That'll do it. Recruiting tonight on Sports Talk. Remember to check it out regularly on our website, sportstalksc.com on Twitter. Use the hashtag STRecruiting. Now, Phil, you're right to our stuff. 
Sorry, you mentioned a pro throw from Alabama. Immediately think of Tyrone pro throw, that spectacular wide receiver for Alabama who had the unfortunate season, uh, career-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Wonder if this is his son or sibling or cousin. That's a good question. Doesn't seem like that common of a last name. Makes me think of one Tommy Prothrow. Shame on me. Maybe it is a popular name. <laughs> you ever heard of Tommy Prothrow? I don't think I have. Look him up. If I'm not mistaken, he was like the coach of the Rams, like in the 60s and 70s. See if you can find a Tommy Prothrow. Got him right here. He was a quarterback at Duke from 1938 to 1941. <laughs> and then he was... <laughs> He was a head coach <laughs> at a number of different places, Oregon State, then UCLA, then, yep, the Los Angeles Rams, and then the San Diego Chargers. What years in the NFL? Uh, overall, from 1965 through 1978. He was yeah. with the Rams from 71 to 72. <laughs> yeah, I thought I remember that name. Good memory. Yep. <laughs> well, I wonder about that. <laughs> but It's funny. Some things you can pull out. You can pull out of your brain in a moment's notice, right? There must be a there must be a name for this to remember certain things that ordinarily you shouldn't remember, but then things that you should remember you can't remember. Is there a name for that situation? I'm sure there is one out there. If it is, I got it, whatever that happens to be. Things I should remember, I can't, but things that really I have no business remembering, I can remember. Does that make any sense to you? Sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a condition yeah. that I've got. Uh, anyway, uh, we're coming up on the end of the show. I do remember 8 o'clock is as far as we can go. And looking forward to a Friday with you, getting ready for the weekend. South Carolina on the road to Athens to play Georgia. Dangerous, dangerous game for South Carolina in that, you know, they're feeling good about themselves. We've talked about this before. Georgia, however, they should be humbled going into this game because Georgia's already beaten them. So you can't walk onto the court in Athens and expect to roll the ball out there and win because Georgia's already beaten you. They're a dangerous team. They just played a tough game the other night uh, against, um, well, they played Tennessee. And who was it they played? Let's see. Last night it was Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, I think it was. They played them right to the wire. They played Tennessee to the wire at their place. So that's a difficult place to play, as every place is on the road. In the SEC. Meantime, I think Clemson's got a huge one Saturday for them at home against Virginia. Obviously, Virginia, a a quality team once again. And the way Clemson has been going up and down, up and down, they need to show some consistency. Even uh, Coach Brownell said that the other night, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. They need to to piece something together. And this is going to be a a game, whatever the under is, I think I would take the under because Virginia's going to D you up like you don't know. And, of course, Clemson's got to play better defense. You know, I mentioned the other night, and I double-checked myself, I mentioned the other night how Brad Brownell's best teams are the ones that have played the best defense. He's had teams that can score. Like this year's team is averaging about 80 points per game, but they're giving up about 73 points per game. So, and they've got a good record, not to take anything away from what they've done. But last year's team was a very good team. Didn't make the tournament, should have. They gave up 68 points per game. So they played a little bit better defense. The um, 22 team, which wasn't very good record-wise, gave up 68 points per game. I want to get to the point of the 2018 team that went to the um, Sweet 16, won 25 games. That team gave up 66 points per game. My point is, 
When Brownells teams are playing Brownells defense, they do really well. We'll see if they can play good defense on Saturday. Talk about that tomorrow night. Have the gang all together. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow.